Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I hope that you are healthy and well and I am grateful that you've tuned in. If you have a taste for life, well, then this is your show. I have mouthwatering radio commentary every week on everything delicious, with the best culinary thinkers and authors and experts highlighted each show. Plus, I cover health and wellness, wine, mixology, a little bit of tech, hopefully some travel again soon, and more. And if you happen to have missed a show, well, then you can find my tasty podcasts on iTunes, listed under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. I hope to be your destination for delectable conversation. I'm all about the creation of a scrumptious dish, from shopping to the preparation to the presentation to cultivating those delectable dishes. I'll help you bring it all together. And you can listen in for great ideas about vegetarian or gluten-free choices, cooking with kids and for kids, the latest products and trends. I share wine knowledge galore and more. And when you tune into this show, there are no reservations needed. You'll also find my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen because I love to cook and love to eat. And if you do too, then we can definitely be friends. And by the way, we have a full plate because this is going to be a fabulous show. We are celebrating the start of spring with our produce guru, Robert Schuler, stopping by. He is, of course, of Melissa's Produce, the largest produce supplier in the world, in fact, and I'm so proud to call them my friends and my partners. Robert has really juicy insight on the fruits and vegetables that you should be looking for and cooking with this season, so we're going to get fresh. Stay tuned. Also, my friend and the crazy talented Elizabeth Carmel is dropping by. You know her from New York restaurant fame, of course, but her runaway hit cookbook, Steak and Cake, is an absolute winner. And so we're going to dish on two of my favorite things, and I'm sure yours, Steak and Cake, coming up. But first, bundles of fresh asparagus are a sure sign of spring, don't you think? This is the kickoff every week where I share a tutorial of sorts, where the show starts off teaching you what I hope is a lesson in great culinary knowledge. And asparagus are king in spring. I like to share my best tips and chef's insight. And like all seasonal foods, this is the time you will find asparagus at its best. It's a really nutrient-rich vegetable if you didn't know. It's loaded with fiber and folic acid, potassium and vitamins A, B6, and C. And amongst the vegetables that are available year-round from the supermarket, there are very few that show as drastic a change in flavor between the year-round stuff and the fresh-from-the-earth spring variety. 
Like peas and corn, asparagus contains lots of sugar at the moment of harvest. And as it sits around, the sugar rapidly begins to form starch molecules. So it takes what was once a tender, sweet stalk of asparagus, and it makes it really bland and starchy. So I love asparagus at the height of the season, and that is now. But I think one of the best things about asparagus is how very easy it is to prepare, right? It's a a gateway vegetable, and you do have to love it. But I think almost every great cook has embraced the fact that there is this elegance to asparagus. But right now, uh, it's cost-effective and beautiful, and it's pretty delicious stuff. So I have some preferences as to how I choose my asparagus and my cooking method, dependent upon the dish I have in mind. And so here is that insight. Now, I like thin spears of asparagus, often called pencil thin or pencil asparagus, because I find them to be more intense in flavor and they're less watery. Um, They're also uh, a, a little bit crunchier, right? Because they have a higher ratio of the fibrous skin to the soft interior. And so this makes them very ideal for stir frying or for a quick kiss of heat off the grill. I'll actually eat them raw as a snack. I make a a pesto aioli. It's pesto, could be store-bought. I use homemade because I always keep a jar on hand. Mixed into mayonnaise with some smashed or pureed roasted garlic. And it really is a great snack. It's a quick starter. It's a great sub for a salad or a side dish. And if you get those asparagus at the peak of the season super thin, they are really delectable raw. Now, you'll find that the higher heat cooking methods uh, lends itself well, but you don't want to cook them too long or they'll dry out. I like just quick char. Now, the fatter spears, the thicker ones, um, they're more tender, um, but they get watery if you steam them or boil them. So they too are best over high heat, like pan seared and then put into a pasta and they get caramelized on the exterior. Um, And I also like them to go into a slow braise or a dish that's going to cook a little bit longer because those thicker stalks will take a little more time to get tender. But no matter what you choose, you want to look for asparagus that is really rich in green color. And then here's my best chef's tip. They should have tightly closed tips where you see that flowering bud at the end, always look for tightly closed tips and you will have a fresh, flavorful asparagus stock. Now, to store them, here is my tried and true method. I like to bring them home and cut a quarter inch off the base of that bunch of asparagus. And then I store them standing in a couple of inches of water in the refrigerator. I'll find a mason jar that my bunch of asparagus sits in or fits into. Couple of inches of water on the bottom, the asparagus standing up out of the jar uncovered, and then straight into the fridge. You can also store them in a a zipper bag, right? Um, And you'll get a few days for sure. Uh, You can always throw in a paper towel and leave the bag slightly ajar or open to release any moisture so that they stay bright and fresh. Now, when you're ready to cook them, A lot of great cooks say that asparagus 
tells you, quote unquote, exactly where to trim them, right? You just gently bend until it snaps. And it's easy, but not always. And there is more than one way to trim an asparagus stalk. I happen to think it's more uniform and easier to simply line them up and examine where they become a little woodsy, as I call it, and then slice them all at once. And I think, I I, I venture to say, um, you will get the most out of the asparagus stalk that way. Now, you can saute or steam or stir fry or grill, right? But maybe the best asparagus, well, maybe second to the grill is roasted. And that's in a very high oven, preferably 450 degrees, about 10 minutes, depending upon the thickness of the stock. That's for a medium stock. I like to toss in olive oil, salt, and pepper. When they come out, I drizzle them with a little bit of aged balsamic vinegar. Then I um, cook up some lamb chops. I toast some French baguette. I pour a glass of, um, could be Sauvignon Blanc, maybe Pinot Noir, and you have a true springtime meal. Now, if you're looking for more inspiration at chefjamie.com, you'll find my grilled asparagus with a basil mint pesto, an asparagus soup with lemon zest, so good, and a chicken and asparagus stir fry made with oyster and hoisin sauce. Really yummy. And so that is your asparagus tutorial to welcome in spring. Okay, in food news this week, here's some news you can use. Did you know that White Claw was noted the top-selling hard seltzer in the country? It dominates 60% of the category market. Who knew? And White Claw's popularity was actually met with a nationwide shortage recently. Oh, no. Resulting in the company working towards significantly increasing their supply in order to meet consumer demand. Now, just in time for warmer weather, White Claw announced that they're launching three new hard seltzer flavors. And here's the food news you need to know. If you're a White Claw lover, you're going to be celebrating strawberry, pineapple, and blackberry soon. These new flavors will follow White Claw's best-selling mango flavor. So check it out. And stay tuned, please, because speaking of fruit... What's fresh and best this season? Our produce guru from Melissa's Produce, Robert Schuler, is here. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Grab a snack, come on back, but don't go away. about to get fresh. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. After a long, long winter, there is nothing more welcoming than the sight of spring's first vegetables, right? The earthy morels and the slender spears of asparagus and the leafy spring onions and piles of bright rhubarb. In our continuing series of seasonal produce highlights and insight, we're about to share the best of spring's bounty. Because when you think tasty, tangy, tart, sweet, and delicious, you think Melissa's Produce, providing quality, beautiful, impeccable produce to chefs and restaurants and grocery stores for over 36 years now. I am so very proud and 
tremendously grateful to have Melissa's Produce as a partner of this show since its inception almost 20 years ago, and their products just keep getting sweeter. Robert Schuler is our resident produce guru on the show. He's the director of all things fresh and delicious for Melissa's World Variety Produce, and I'm also proud to call him my dear friend. He is here to increase your fruit and veggie knowledge. Robert, I know you're healthy and well, and I am so glad you're back with us. Yes, thank you, Jamie, for having me. (laughs) Of course. Um, It's a great time to talk about spring produce. I think we're all celebrating the freshness because it feels, um, it feels like a fresh start, right? It's hopeful. Um, we get this, this bounty of bright color and juicy goodness. And I think it's a great time to talk about Ojai Pixie Tangerines. Wow, are they sweet this year. Yes, uh, this year was a bumper crop. These yes. Are those uh, those uh, annual uh, events that every late spring, um, when most tangerine seasons end, the pixie tangerines uh, begin, and since it was it's such a strong month, we're going to have them all the way through mid June. Ojai is located about ten miles from the from the coast of Ventura, in an area of microclimate, and that's what makes these tangerines taste so good. They're mm. seedless, and they're extremely easy to peel. So yeah. they taste like candy. And, you know, Jagger, my son, loves them. Um, And I always get a sneak peek of produce. My listeners know that, right? Um, I get to taste the freshness of the season first, and then I deliver all the goodness uh, on the radio. And I I love that. But I'll tell you, no one loves those Ojai Pixies more than Jagger, right? Because they're perfect snacking size. And then what I have been doing, aside from eating them out of hand, is I'm um, squeezing them for juice. I have to tell you, that is a very good mixer for vodka, Robert. Very good. Mm. <laughs> oh, hi, pixie tangerine mm-hmm. cocktails. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so good. Um, talk to us about the Charente melon. This is my favorite okay. melon. It's, it's a little individual. Like I like to say, that's my melon. Right. Um, <laughs> first of all, they're the, the original French melon. Mm-hmm. That's the typical melon when you're in um, in France, in Paris especially, it is a smaller size melon. Um, you know when you buy a melon, whether it's a watermelon, cantaloupe, or honeydew, they're very large, and you know they're good for about four or five people, but the Charente is a personal size uh, uh, melon. It's about the size of, of a uh, softball, so you can sh- share it within one or two people, but the neat thing about it is the flavor profile. It's very consistent. Mm-hmm. Consistently super sweet. It's the sweetest all varieties of melons. Even though many varieties start up in May, um, there's one that's just not so as sweet as the Charente melon. Yeah, there's nothing like that melon. I have to tell you, I made a cold fruit soup using the Charente as the base. And then I just garnished mm-hmm. it with um, diced Melissa strawberries on top and did a scoop of sorbet. And that melon needs zero anything. It certainly doesn't need sugar. Even a pinch of salt to heighten the sweetness, but it's so beautifully fragrant. There is no other melon like it. Mm, I agree. It's so good. Um, Talk about this dragon fruit trend, please. I'm seeing it everywhere. Melissa's dragon fruit in three colors. And I'll tell you, I think great cooks are inspired. I see pictures of dragon fruit smoothies 
on Instagram. I mean, people are really using it to its fullest potential. Like it's having its day in the sun. Yes, uh, the dragon fruit, um, this was a fruit that didn't become available until about 15 years ago mm-hmm. when Melissa started uh, growing them domestically here in Cali- Southern California. Wow. Since then, I didn't we've know been that. able to not only, yeah, we not only grow them in California, but um, we get them from Florida, we get them imported in from Vietnam, we get them from Nicaragua. There's mm-hmm. been a big boom for them to be available on a year-round basis, which they are. Yes, and you're correct. There's three different varieties. Two of them look exactly the same. One is the white dragon fruit, and the other one is a red flesh dragon fruit. So you would only know on this pink fruit from the sticker if it was white flesh or the, the um, magenta pink fleshed one, which um, is actually sweeter in flavor. Mm-hmm. But the third one that I mentioned is a newer variety that was introduced in the marketplace two years ago from us. It is uh, yellow on the outside. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and it has white with little black seeds on the inside. Um, But the difference is is that the yellow dragon fruit is the sweetest of them all. The white and the the red flesh dragon fruit um, are very mild. But if you've never tasted the yellow dragon fruit, that is the sweetest of them all. And yes, you see dragon fruit on everything because it's considered one of those super fruits. And even Starbucks has a drink on there as a, re- a fresher, like a tea, fresher iced tea that is dragon fruit. It's one of their most popular drinks now. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. I know that um, yeah. I have a lot of great cooks ask, the little seeds are edible. And they almost... Completely. Yeah, they like banana seeds. Right. They remind me like of chia seeds. Kind of. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Yeah, they visually you would think that they would be crunchy, but they're really mild yes. uh, seeds. But they're, the visual impact of the fruit is unbelievable. It's fantastic, right? It used to be, I mean, when, when you could get it, it was a garnish, right? I mean, it was really very much considered a s- seriously specialty piece of produce. And mm-hmm. you've made it readily available, and it's very much being embraced, so... Uh, Melissa's yeah. dragon fruit can be found everywhere now, which I love. Um, can we move to maybe the more savory side and talk veg for a minute? Um, this is the height of the season for heirloom tomatoes and baby heirlooms, right? This is when I make my oven roasted tomato sauce with the bounty yeah. of heirlooms because they are so delicious right now. Yes. Spring going into summer summertime. Yes is the, uh, the peak of the California tomato season. Mm. And so these heirloom varieties, uh, even in the springtime, are, are colorful, and they all come in all different shapes and sizes and colors, and it's the flavor that makes them so special. But mm. also, yes, we have them in uh, cherry and, um, and great tomato size as well. And the baby heirloom tomatoes, Come in all different colors, yellow, orange, red. Okay, Robert, we need to pause there. We'll take a quick break, but there's more juicy conversation on the spring season's best fruits and vegetables right after this.
We're back, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio with our resident produce guru, Robert Schuler of Melissa's Produce. Talk to us about the growth of the category of onions. This is really um, the innovation and progressiveness of Melissa's when you speak to the sweet onions of the season because yeah. they're they're very exclusive. Yeah, you know, the sweet onions is a very much a spring crop. Um, so this is the time of the year that you'll see all these different varieties, the Dahlia, Walla Walla. These are specific growing areas that grow specific sweet onions. Sweet onions, obviously, by their name, is a sweeter variety. Um, and so you can use them more raw or you don't have to cook as long with them. But the key is the flavor profile that you get in them. I'm going to tell you the best tasting sweet onions of this part of the season. And hands down, it's those hatched sweet onions from Hatch, New Mexico. Mm. Hatch uh, is really known with most consumers with the peppers that we bring in from Hatch, New Mexico during the months of August and September. But the crop before the peppers are the Hatch Sweet Onions. And they've been growing them for almost a decade, and we've made them commercially available over the last three years. So next time when you head into your store and you want to venture into what sweet onions are the best, Look for those hatched sweet onions. They really are, I have to tell you, a step above. And as you mentioned, it's 10 years in the making, but only because of Melissa's a few years that they've been available to us at a retail level, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, you could get them exclusively if you were a chef or restaurateur and you would highlight them and everyone recognizes the name Hatch. But that soil is so fertile and so beautiful in creating the Hatch Chili the onion doesn't have, of course, any uh, reminiscent flavor of chili, but you can tell if you compare a hatch sweet onion to a traditional sweet onion, how many leaps and bounds above the traditional that hatch sweet onion is. That is, that is the kind of onion I expect someone to eat out of hand. No, Just about, you can. it's so sweet. It's so delicious. And I made caramelized onions with those hatch sweet onions. They were out of this world, Robert. I mean, talk about compounding the flavor. Exactly. So good. Okay, so right now we're looking for hatch sweet onions from Melissa's. Note to self, don't forget. Definitely. <laughs> um, let's talk Brussels sprouts for a minute. That trend continues, which I think is wonderful because we've embraced the Brussels sprout. But I've gone back. Yeah. I've gone back to my restaurant roots with that one. So I've roasted Brussels sprouts like you do, Robert, and I like to do them on the mm-hmm. stalk at the holidays. And uh, I-, I love a Brussels sprout. But I've gone back to uh, a restaurant recipe that when I was just out of culinary school a long time ago, where I shave them thin. And I quickly saute them. And by the way, they're not low calorie because then I add some cream and copious amounts of Parmesan cheese. And then I take the pan and put it under the broiler and you almost get like a Brussels sprout gratiné. Like you get, you know, golden bubbly cheese on top and creamy, lovely Brussels sprouts. And they are just so good. Yeah. So good. And the neat thing is, is that you're able to find the Brussels sprouts not only conventionally, but also organic, but not only green, but you can also find them purple. And also, you know, as the season progresses through the summer, the Brussels sprouts tend to get a little larger. 
So that's why Melissa's also has baby Brussels sprouts. Yeah, I love them. Which are perfect quarter size <laughs> ones, so you don't have to cut or shred or do anything. Just yeah. as you do all your produce, wash it off, mm-hmm. and then cook. Exactly. And those little ones, I roast those still, of course. But the bigger ones, shaved thin, just the texture of that gratin, that's just the ultimate side dish to me. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's artichoke season. Yippee. Oh, I love artichokes. I make a roasted garlic aioli, a a roasted garlic mayo, and I just dip to my heart's content. Yeah. Uh, The artichoke is my favorite. uh, Well, it is actually a flower. If you keep it on the uh, plant longer, it will bloom into a beautiful purple flower. But my favorite part is to pick it up before the bloom, the artichoke itself. Right. Um, Not only are you able to enjoy the artichoke, the large artichoke, but the little baby artichokes that grow around them. Um, and just a great way, the baby artichokes are a great way to enjoy artichokes as well, where the baby artichokes are maybe like a fifth the size of a regular artichoke, but is completely edible because you pick it um, at such a small tender size where you just need to cut off the top or cut it into half or quarter and Mm -hmm. cook the whole thing, unlike de-petaling an artichoke and enjoying it that way, making your way into the heart. To enjoy as well. So either way, I enjoy artichokes, whether alone or in a pasta dish. Um, they're they're just so versatile and mm. so spring. Yeah, they are. They're quintessential spring. I agree with you. The little baby ones, I do cut off like the top third, say, and then mm-hmm. into quarters. They don't have um, any of the uh, hairy interior that you have to remove, like from a traditional-sized artichoke. And I cut them into quarters, and I drizzle them with olive oil, salt, and pepper, and I roast them in a high-heat oven, and you get that crispy exterior. That is like the best cocktail snack. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah, really. I I love them. So I'm I'm all for both artichokes. I'm with you. Rhubarb. Rhubarb is still... Rhubarb seems so misunderstood. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, rhubarb is, a, is a, first of all, it's a vegetable. A lot of right. people think it's a fruit because you find it so often in desserts, tarts, uh, pies especially. But rhubarb is actually, you know, it is not red celery. A lot of people think it's red celery. It's very different, very tart. It pairs with such sweet fruit um, like uh, strawberries and berries. Yes. But if you were to make a rhubarb pie, you have to add sugar to it or a sugar substitute to sweeten it up. But um, it's, it's one of those misunderstood vegetables it because um, the, the older generations, they get it and they understand it. But the younger generation, this is kind of a foreign vegetable to them. <laughs> but once they try it for the first time, you've got them. you sold them. Yeah. No, if you add enough sugar, you get that sweet tart deliciousness and, and you have to embrace it. The rhubarb season, how long does it last now? Well, the rhubarb, we, we do import. And so... Because of uh, we can import it in the winter months and right. stuff, it's very expensive at that time. But now, during the spring time, going to the summer, it's actually domestic, where we get it from Washington, Oregon, and then it ends in the summertime out of California. Oh, interesting. This is where you're going to see it, one, more plentiful, two, a, a very strong red color, and three, the price of it is significantly less then you would do it during the import season. So that's huh. why I say this, the spring and early summer is the peak of the season for rhubarb. It's time for rhubarb, for sure. And then before I let you go, 
Um, who is the genius that thought of organic mini cucumbers from Melissa's? Because I would like to shake their hand. You know, that is my substitute for chips. Like, I will dip a Melissa's organic mini cucumber in anything. They're so crunchy and so juicy, and they're perfect size. Yeah, the mini cucumber, also referred to as the Persian cucumber. Right. But when we changed the name of it to mini all of a sudden it didn't become so foreign. The neat thing about these cucumbers is all you have to do is wash them. On mm-hmm. a regular cucumber, most people, uh, you know, take off the skin. They may de-seed it because the seeds are so big. Right, you have but to trim cucumber, it. Yeah. You just have to wash it. The skin is complete, entirely edible. They're, yeah. You know, you can, you can cut them into like little carrot sticks to for a crudite. It's perfect. They're very easy to work with. They're yeah. softer in yeah. flavor. Just add, I like to add a little salt and that's, mm. that's it. That's a, a great way to enjoy that vegetable. Though botanically, it's actually a fruit. It has seeds. Oh, fascinating. I never knew that. Yeah. I, I love yeah. the size of them and I'll tell you, they're great for pickling, right? So like if mm-hmm. I want to make pickled Asian cucumbers, which is a, a pretty quick pickle, uh, right. I find even just a drizzle of rice wine vinegar and sesame oil um, another stellar side dish or a great starter or thrown into a salad. Those mini cucumbers, I think, are just hot. They are. They're fabulous. Mm-hmm. We are celebrating spring's bounty from Melissa's Produce. And finding good produce is a snap when it comes to Melissa's. Look for the Melissa's name. The I is the carrot. You'll see it in the logo when you want the season's best. Or better yet, Order your produce delivered directly to your door. Um, the website is really fantastic and um, newly updated at melissas.com. So check it out. I mean, you can become a, a produce guru, uh, maybe not, you know, 26 years in the making like Robert, but you'll certainly gain knowledge by going to the website and be sure to continue to listen for the weekly Melissa's Produce Pick on this show so that you know what is fresh and in season. Uh, And again, melissas.com for resourceful fruit and veggie information. Thank you, Robert. Talk again soon. So appreciate you. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you. There is more fabulous food in your radio. It's informative, entertaining, and delicious. Well, at least I hope you think so. So grab a snack. Come on back. More after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. If you are a food enthusiast, well, then this is your show, sharing culinary wisdom, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio. Simply put, steak and cake, they're just made for each other, right? Like peanut butter and chocolate, or chicken and waffles, or caramel and sea salt. When Elizabeth Carmel offered a class at New York's Institute of Culinary Education on how to prepare steaks and bake cakes, the class sold out in minutes. And now in her book, appropriately titled Steak and Cake, the new release, she offers more than 100 recipes pairing a steak with a cake. What could be better? I mean, sweet and savory has never been so delicious or decadent. 
You know and love Elizabeth Carmel as the founding executive chef of New York and Washington, D.C.'s Hill County Barbecue and Hill Country Chicken Restaurants. She is America's leading female grilling expert and a native Southern-born baker. And she is back to dish on steak and cake, and I am thrilled. Hi, Chef. I'm glad to talk to you again, Elizabeth. Well, I am so excited (laughs) to talk to you, too. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I'm especially excited to talk about steak and cake because this really was a passion project. Yes. I taught a class at um, the Institute of Culinary Education in New York City for years to home cooks. It's a recreational class on mm-hmm. a Saturday night. Mm. And um, I was so gratified to see how empowered learning how to make a steak and bake a cake themselves uh, made people that I thought to myself, I've got to turn this into a book. Well, I think it's brilliant. I have to tell you. I mean, two of my favorite things. I I think most food lovers would say that. I wondered when I first received the book, Elizabeth, because I do think you are a genius. But I do wonder how you go about pairing beef and bunt cake. Like, what is the flavor pairing uh, obsession or the flavor pairing goal in sitting down to mix and match? Well, so to me, every single every single pairing is a and there are 35 pairings in the book um uh is a steak meal with a cake dessert so i like to look at it as a whole i like to look at it and say either there's a theme Mm -hmm. like my steak and truffled eggs Mm. i pair with my latte loaf that has a hazelnut glaze oh i saw So instantly lots of people love hazelnut lattes right in the morning right that they drink them. So those are kind of the prominent flavors of the cake with my very morning-oriented steak and truffled eggs main dish. Yeah, it's perfect. So, so I'm looking at if there's either a theme or if I have a super rich um, steak, I pair it with a lighter uh, cake and vice versa. If I have a really rich cake, I pair it with a lighter steak. So, for example... The tomahawk steak that is on the cover, in the book, I pair that with my cinnamon sugar donut puff. Elizabeth, I am open to that page right now. We were reading each (laughs) other's minds, literally. Well, that's, that's great. And those donut puffs, the reason I call them that is because they're baked, but they taste like a donut. Mm. But they're very, I make them in a mini muffin tin. They're very small, and oh, they're very smart? light. So smart. And, um, and then if you want to up the ante, I give you a recipe for a bourbon spike dark chocolate ganache dipping sauce for oh. the donuts. Okay. And up the ante, Elizabeth, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, everything is balanced. Um, yes. I, I love everything in moderation and everything balanced. So... Mm. The cakes are not too sweet. You know, um, the steaks are not too rich. Everything, to me, has to strike that perfect balance so that you want to take another bite. Before I let you go, please tell us about your grandmother's apple cake. For those who Uh, long for a great homemade cake, there is a wonderful story behind it. Okay. So my grandmother Odom's apple cake, it was a very simple cake that my grandmother made all the time. She had the recipe memorized, so she never used a, a recipe. 
and um, she would make it every other day in the fall when apples were in season. And it was really, I just loved it. I adored it. And so did my mother. And when she passed away, we looked at each other and we were like, oh, we didn't get the apple cake recipe <sighs> from her. So we looked through all of her things and we couldn't find it. And for years, we were trying every apple cake we could find. And we never, we never could, you know, that taste memory was never there with any of those recipes. Mm-hmm. So we always talked about it. And when I was uh, creating the recipes for this book and getting everything together, I, um, my mother found a recipe box that had been my grandmother's, and I looked through it, and on an index card in her beautiful handwriting, it just said very simply, apple cake. The new release from Elizabeth Carmel is a winner for any food lover, so please check it out. Available on Amazon and in fine bookstores everywhere. Please follow Elizabeth for her culinary adventures at Elizabeth Carmel with a K and at Grill Girl. Elizabeth, I can't wait to eat with you again soon, so please come oh, back. Oh, and thank you so much. Thank you so much for loving the book and all of your kind words. It well, really of course. touched me. And oh, um, Thank you. And that's what food communication is all about, to, you know, communication and giving people hugs. Yes, that, and, and I felt it, and we felt it, so thank you. Continued success, Elizabeth. See you soon. Okay, thank, thank you, you so much. much. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic discovery. And I do hope that you enjoyed the culinary conversation. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of deliciousness for the weekend. I am gearing up for summer and firing up my Twin Eagles grill. And you know, I'm a girl at the grill. I do love it. Do you want to make foolproof, absolutely delicious, the juiciest grilled chicken you've ever made before? Well, with just four ingredients, you are going to be a culinary hero. I call it buttermilk grilled chicken, and I like to refrigerate it at least eight hours, if not more, so that you get the ultimate in juicy tenderness. You'll start with buttermilk and then flavor it with your favorite aromatics. I use fresh thyme and garlic, salt, and pepper. I throw in boneless, skinless chicken breasts. And again, I marinate in the refrigerator as long as possible. Then I drain the chicken, discard the marinade, and I grill over medium-high heat until the chicken breasts are cooked through. Your sauce of choice, your veg or potato, but I've got to tell you, it might just be the most deliciously juicy grilled chicken you've ever had. I'm going to post my buttermilk grilled chicken on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So easy, right? Where I hope that you'll become a friend and a fan. And I'll meet you here next weekend where I promise there is lots more fabulous food guaranteed in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off and I hope you continue to eat well. Bye.